December 15th. An unexpected and unwanted gift. Mrs. Georgina Smoot, the bane of the office secret Santa, the re-gifter of the cheapest gift, the hardest to buy for, and the first to have a drunken screaming fit when what she was given failed to impress, killed by a scratch from a poisoned holly leaf. One has to sympathise, though. The trouble with Secret Santa is that there is always a high risk of getting something one doesn't want. Like being murdered, for instance. Lightning flying all the snow and the hay, ha 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 ho ha ho, it's sleigh bells ringing gaily, singing merrily we go. Deadvent Calendar, a merry murder mystery in 24 crimes. Written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. The morning of the 15th, I got my first Christmas card of the season. This was not a happy event, however. The front of the card was the same antique illustration of Krampus as had been on the flyer we found. Inside was a printed message. Merry Christmas! You got your Christmas wish. All we ask in return is that you go to the Broadgate Centre behind Liverpool Street Station after three o'clock on the afternoon of the 20th of December. At the top of the steps, down into the station, you will find a box of tinsel. Deliver this to the workmen hanging decorations in St John's Square, Clerkenwell. That is your good deed of the season. Do this and Krampus will ensure Father Christmas brings you what you want. Good luck and many happy returns of the season. I have to say, they're irritatingly cheerful about the whole thing, I said, throwing the card on the table in disgust. Same font as the flyer. Digitally printed too, said Shiloh, picking up the envelope. No stamp. This was hand-delivered. He rushed to the window. It was lying on the mat already, I said. Probably delivered during the night. One of their Deliveroo riders, I suppose. Shiloh turned and crossed to the wall of clippings, tacking up the card among them. Do we have to put that thing up? I asked. It's a clue, said Shiloh, and an important one. Thus, it goes on the wall. And what does it tell us, this clue? I said, other than that I'm about to be implicated in someone's murder. It tells us many things, said Shiloh. It tells us that the murder will not happen until the 20th of December, possibly after, given how late in the day they want that delivery made. It tells us that there is something significant about the tinsel to be collected from Liverpool Street, It cannot be any normal decoration, otherwise it could be found anywhere, in any shop at this time of year. So we can assume that this tinsel has some specific property or association. It tells us that the intended victim lives or works somewhere in Clerkenwell. If Krampus, let us call our mad genius that for the sake of brevity, if Krampus can be sure that this person will be in the vicinity of St John's Square on or after the 20th of December, and outside, mark you, They mention workmen hanging decorations. Then we might assume that the victim travels through there regularly, that it is part of their everyday routine, perhaps a journey to or from work or something of the sort. Show off, I said. It also tells us that there are at least two other people involved. Whoever is putting the tinsel on the steps at Liverpool Street Station and whoever is putting it up at the other end. Possibly, said Shiloh, but not necessarily. They may be innocents, simply doing their jobs, or possibly unwitting participants paid to perform a simple task. In that case, why get me to transport it, I said. 
I was very much of the opinion that I'd rather not, after all. Insurance, said Shiloh. The point of the scheme is not just to give the participants an alibi for the murders for which they have no motive. It is also to involve them in some other murder. By acting as a party to another killing, they are made complicit in the conspiracy. Their silence is assured. If you get murdered, I said, I very much doubt my silence will be anything like assured. Especially if I'm there, I suspect I shall scream like a child. In that case, said Shiloh, reaching for his coat, let us be about. We have clues to chase down. The game is afoot. Come to think of it, I said, following him from the room, you are entirely too cheerful about this too. We walked, of course, to Liverpool Street with my companion talking about everything under the sun other than his own impending demise, regaling me with the histories of the streets as we passed down them, as if there was no street in London that was a stranger to him. As we came down towards the station from Moorgate, the street began to be blocked by vans and lorries. Large men with impressive beer bellies stood smoking by open flatbeds, all wearing high-vis tabards, under which could be glimpsed polo shirts with logos on, Panaflex, Dolby, Arry, the pavement thickened with cables and flecks, and generators hummed in the gutters. At the end of the street, where it curves round the station, bollards and security tape blocked off the Broadgate Centre. A large man with a walkie-talkie and a greasy Walt Disney T-shirt waved us past. Filming, mate, sorry, he said. This bit's closed. Station's still open, but if you want to get through, you'll have to go round. Thanks, said Shiloh, and then to me, come on, let's have a look. We went back round the corner into a side street where Shiloh stopped in front of a statue of a strangely lumpy flying horse and pulled a workman's tabard out of his satchel. Never be without a tabard, he said, struggling into it. No one questions a tabard. He stuffed his coat into his bag and then dug around underneath it. Or a walkie-talkie, he said, pulling one out. Follow me, he said, and with a gruff, coming through, pushed through the barriers into a little square beyond. The place was full of equipment and people looking professionally nonchalant. We picked our way across to the other side towards the circle. The Broadgate Centre is a pedestrianised group of buildings to the north of Liverpool Street Station, full of bars and aggressively modern office buildings. In the middle of it is the eponymous circle, a sort of modern amphitheatre, a ring of restaurants and bars with an empty space in the middle. The empty space was now an ice rink. The buildings around it all decked out in decorations, including great ropes of tinsel that reached out to form a star high above the centre of the circle, supported in the middle by a sturdy metal pole. One of these ropes was more taut than the others, and high on the buildings at the far end, a man stood, holding the other end of it. As we came up, the shout of ACTION was echoed around the space, and we froze as explosions went off, and the man leapt from the top of the building, swinging down on the strand of tinsel, to land in the middle of the ice rink, knocking another man, holding a gun, flying. The crew exploded into life, all rushing to see to the man at the end of the tinsel, unclipping him from where we could now see it was attached to a harness. I heard he did all his own stunts, I said, but it's quite a thing to see. That, I would say, said Shiloh, is tinsel with a specific property. Strong enough for a man to hang from, I said. Strong enough? said Shiloh, to hang a man with. You have been listening to Dead Vent Calendar, written by Tobias Sturt from an original idea by Tobias Sturt and Rowan Davis. The story is read by John Millington, and I read the murders. 
The music is The Sleigh by The Sportsman and by Mitch Miller and his orchestra and chorus, both from the Internet Archive. If you enjoyed this podcast, please spread the word and even rate and review it if you can. You can find more on SoundCloud, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher, and on our website at ruritania.co.uk slash stories. And tune in next episode to open another fatal window in our dead vent calendar.